The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Hello, Hoopball Lakers family, and welcome back from a hopefully happy Thanksgiving holiday. I hope your turkey was plentiful and your Black Friday purchases were discounted heavily. I am your host, JC DeLeon, for the Monday Look Back, Look Ahead edition of the podcast, and things are starting to get interesting. This week, the Traveling Lake Show is starting to get some criticism that maybe their schedule has been too easy to start the season, and perhaps this meteoric start could be fool's gold. Gold. And we'll dive into the numbers of a fan favorite, Alex Caruso, and see if we can uncover just what makes him so darn essential to this team's success. So, let's get it cracking. This podcast, like all our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, or on Twitter at H-I Kona Coffee. That's H-I K-O-N-A, coffee. So unfortunately, we begin another Monday show with the news that the Lakers have ended another winning streak. And last night it came at the hands of the Dallas Mavericks and the surging Luka Doncic. Uh, Luka has continued to prove that he more than belongs in this league. He's one of the best uh, young players at just 20 years old. He's uh, He's been on record as saying he, he looks up to LeBron, and LeBron was one of his favorite players, and so I think he's he's always going to get up for a game uh, against LeBron and the Lakers, and so that's just something they uh, they should prepare for. And, and they beat the Mavericks earlier this season, which is good. Uh, last night was an unusual game. The Lakers, uh, it was a 1 p.m. Pacific tip-off time, which to me made it seem like uh, it, was, it wasn't going to be a normal game. I, I feel like those Sunday games with early tip-offs, um, you never really can tell with those games. And, you know, Los Angeles, Saturday night traveling, you wonder if whether or not some of the Mavericks are going to have a little night out of town before that early tip-off. Uh, well, Luca's still 20 years old, so you don't have to worry about him partying too much. And... Yeah, despite the the good effort in the first half, the the Lakers did squander the lead and had no energy in the second half. Zero ball movement. It was um it was just kind of one of those games like you obviously can't go 82 and 0 and there's not a whole lot analytically to really say about that game. I think the biggest issue with this team te- still tends to be transition defense. And at times, effort. There was a, a video that's gone viral of LeBron uh, yelling at his teammates when he he poked the ball away from Luca at the be- at the end of the first half. He had to dive on the floor to get the ball from going out of bounds, and he's looking up, and none of his teammates are around, running back to try to get a free layup, and that was frustrating to him. And I and I get that. And then. It seems like from the response on social media, most people understand what he was saying and what he was doing and seemed to be on his side. So so that's good. Um, beyond that, though, the Lakers did win the rest of their games last week. Uh, as I mentioned, we're on, on an 11-game winning streak, and so they currently stand 17-3. and 
uh, tied with the best record in the league with the Milwaukee Bucks, who have overtaken the East, but we'll get to those standings later on tonight in San Antonio than they did in New Orleans, and that that was kind of surprising to me. I didn't know... I didn't know if maybe the next day being Thanksgiving and a lot of people wouldn't necessarily vacation in New Orleans, like like I was doing, or... uh, I don't know. It's weird. I... The Lakers tend to travel really well because they've always been one of the more popular teams in the league. And, But yeah, the Lakers fans seem to be a more energetic bunch in San Antonio than they were in New Orleans. Um, but that was an interesting game. It's clear that the strategy was to let Anthony Davis go off. And in that game, he did. He had 41 points and 11 rebounds. It's one of those um, kind of bad LeBron games. Up until the fourth quarter, he wasn't asserting himself very much. And then in the fourth quarter, this team came alive. They were down 15 15 points late in the third. And I had written this game off. I said, hey, I'm in here. I'm in New Orleans. Like I said, it's impossible to have a bad time here. Anthony Davis is playing good. This is a young, surging team. Like, yeah, they're going to get this win. Not the end of the world. But the Lakers ended up coming back. Kyle Kuzma had an amazing fourth quarter. It was four for four from three in that quarter. And so it's really good for this team to have a win like that where they can come back from a deficit that high, that late. Now, I know the Pelicans aren't one of the better teams in the league, but still, to have that win, that kind of win under your belt when you deviated from the strategy that's been your strategy all season which is spread the ball around, you know, all around tenacious defense, things like that. They deviated from that for three quarters of this game, and it showed. It showed in the start and showed when they were down so much, but luckily it came back to win it. Uh, And so that was a great game, great win. Uh, Beyond that, there's a win in San Antonio and a win against the Wizards, which was a blowout and wasn't very wasn't a very entertaining game despite the uh, despite the blowout win. So the Lakers have only lost three games, and as mentioned, they sit atop the Western Conference with the best record. And a lot of people have been speculating. You know, with any kind of success, you've got to expect the criticism to start coming. And so, the Lakers' schedule up until this point has been ranked. 25th in in difficulty and so yeah they have had an easier schedule than most that's that's been apparent however they've still gotten the job done and they've still managed to win while focusing on things that need to be improved and you know focusing on chemistry and refining their strengths working on their weaknesses those are all things that you can do while still winning, there, you know, there have been LeBron teams in the past that have been focusing on things like that, and wins at this early in the stage kind of would become secondary. The secondary focus is if that's allowed to say, or if teams can would can admit to doing such a thing. But yeah, I mean, you you know, you play the hands that you're dealt, and the Lakers have been dominating against the schedule that they've been given. 
uh, against teams that are 500 and better. They are only three and three with their losses coming to the Clippers at the first game of the season, the Raptors, and now uh, the Mavericks. Um, but I think I think the schedule deserves looking into a bit further, just because while coming into the season it did seem like it was going to be a wide open season this year because of how you know how bad the Warriors were going to be. The Warriors obviously weren't going to be the dominant team all season, and it's it's a wide open game that anybody can win. But you know, despite that, you've got you've got Oklahoma, you've got you know, you've got teams like Portland being worse than they were going to be, and Dallas with six or Houston with six losses, Utah with eight losses. Uh, I think teams. I think people thought those teams are going to be a little bit better. Denver, despite starting, despite stumbling very slightly out of the gate, have proven that. Yeah, well, they may not be able to sneak up on anybody this year. Uh, they're still pretty, pretty darn, pretty darn good. And uh, so at thirteen and four, they, yeah, they've managed to take some losses away from the team. And so maybe the West is just a little bit more balanced than we thought it was going to be. And teams that the Lakers have played in the East, yeah, the East is is a little bit more. And I think teams in the East are a little bit better than they thought they were going to be, and so that might be affecting records in the West as well. I, long story short, I don't think it's as wide open as people thought it was going to be. And the Lakers are going to get everyone's best shot, despite despite who the opponent is. And so, yeah. They may they may have had an easier schedule than most if you look at opponents' win loss records, but it doesn't mean that those opponents aren't bringing it. Um, you know, really, in really high blowout wins, the Lakers haven't had very many like they did against the Wizards, and so they've been they've been fighting, they've been struggling, and they've been improving, but they've still been dominating. And so I think that's the important thing to look at beyond the numbers of the opponents' win loss record. Uh, moving on to the injury situation, luckily there's nothing really new with this team, and, and that's great. You're seeing injuries kind of start to crop up all over the league. Everything has remained consistent with the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis appears to every day be a game-time decision whether or not he's going to play because of that shoulder. Um, in New Orleans, he had a really scary collision with former teammate Josh, or with former Laker Josh Hart. And it seemed like at the end of the third, he was going to be done with that game just because, you know, the Lakers were down so much. And if his, if his shoulder really was hurting, I didn't see the value in, in keeping him in, keeping him in there. Uh, but he came back, ended up having the game ceiling steal. And since then, uh, Anthony Davis has been playing pretty well. And his shoulder hasn't really come up despite him being a game time decision, you know, day to day. Um, Avery Bradley should have been back by now. They announced that he's going to be out another week while he uh, just rehabs it further. And that could really just be a matter of the Lakers are playing really, really well right now. And so why not let him rehab for another week to strengthen that leg even further? So luckily, uh, nothing really new on the injury front. So. I don't know if this is everyone's favorite segment of uh, this Monday episode, but this week it will be. <laughs> we are going to 
dive into some numbers analytically and try to figure out, um, you know, try to uncover some interesting things and some interesting trends. Uh, this week we are going to focus on the um, everyone's favorite. Well, maybe not everyone's favorite, but uh, certainly the meme-worthy and, at this point now, legendary uh, Alex Caruso, the bald Mamba. <laughs> the Lakers have a really great record when he manages to play. And he, on a base level, to look at his numbers, there's nothing really that stands out. He's averaging 20 minutes a game. Averages about five field goal attempts, of which he makes two of those. He's having a down year in three-point shooting. He's shooting 30% this year, when last year he shot uh, 48%. And so, and, and he also shot 30% his rookie year. And so, yeah, maybe last year was an outlier. Maybe it could just be a matter of repetition. This year, he's... Well, I mean, because he's going to be playing more. He played. He, he appeared in 25 games last year. Shot 48% from three, like I said. Um, but this year, yeah, five points a game, shooting 30, 30% from three. You have to expect that that'll climb at least a little bit, to maybe 35% uh, getting 0.1 rebounds, averaging 1.8 rebounds total, two assists, one steal, about one turnover. So in about 20 minutes, decent, decent numbers. Per 36 for Alex Caruso. Uh, his per 36, uh, eight point. His per 36 is actually more in line with what he shot or what he what he played last year. He's about 8.9 points per game, about two steals, almost four assists, three rebounds. Still shooting at 30% from three, like I said, but putting up about eight field goal attempts. So, yeah, he only plays about 20 minutes per game, but his per 36 is really nice. Um, but to delve deeper into the numbers and, and to figure out his value per 100 possessions, he's got he's got a defensive rating of 104, an offensive rating of 94, and so he's in the negative there. And it's interesting to say because you hear a lot of people say his value to this team is on defense, and yeah, there have been a number of times in which Alex Caruso has proven really valuable defensively. In particular, in particular against the Pelicans, he was plus 23 in that game, uh, despite only scoring two points. And so he, he had a defensive impact in that game. The second, second half, uh, Drew Holiday... Didn't have as great of a second half as he did the first half. And so, basically what I'm trying to say is as fun as it is to dive into the numbers and as important as I made it seem a minute ago, Alex Caruso does prove that he is one of those strange anomalies in that his 
contribution to this team goes way beyond the numbers. He's, you know, goes way beyond the numbers. I think he is somebody who kind of operates like a placebo in a medical study. He, LeBron really likes Alex Caruso. And I think when you get, when you get LeBron's approval, that'll, that'll take you a long way in your career. And so, and yeah, I think, I think Alex Caruso is somebody who, when people see him come off the bench, they get excited. When, if there's a game in which he manages to get an exciting dunk, that seems to really drive the team. Um, I think he's just one of those players that, A, psychologically does kind of lift up your spirits because you like playing with him and he's he's an unselfish guy and he's going to do all the, the little things that help help you win. But And, and it's going to make you play better in the end. But, yeah, what it, what it really is, where his value really is, is on-ball defense in which almost nothing you can do on-ball defense with the exception of steals would show up on any stat sheet, no matter how you look at it analytically. So Alex Caruso has proven to be a great on-ball defender. Uh, yeah, lifts up the psyche of his teammates. Yeah, those are all things that he, he's he been excelling at. And so, yeah, it's easy to see why he's a fan favorite. Um, he's only 24 or 25 years old. He's balding already. He looks like an older guy. But... Yeah, he's extremely capable of bringing exciting plays to this team. And so, yeah, I think it's easy, easy to see how he provides a lift to this team mentally if if he doesn't do it statistically. Uh, so, yeah, looking into the numbers, there's not a whole lot here that we can really, you know, divulge. Um, his box plus minus and box plus minus for those that don't know, it's, it's a box score estimate of the points per 100 possessions. A player contributed above a league average player. And so his box plus minus is a negative 1.5. And, you know, most of the players on this team are positive in some way. Uh, the biggest being LeBron and Anthony Davis, um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's got a true shooting percentage of above 50%, which is good. He most of his most of the threes that he hits are assisted on. Um he's shooting 33% from the corner. So yeah, he's more accurate from the corner than he is uh more accurate from the corner than he is anywhere else. We talked about plus minus a few minutes ago, and so per one hundred possession per one hundred possessions, his his plus minus on while he's on the court is plus eleven point two, which yeah makes sense. His he almost matches LeBron's plus minus for the season at eleven point seven on offense. He's uh, plus five, and they're currently one, two, three, four, four heavy rotation Lakers that have a positive on offense plus minus. So, yeah, this team's strength is clearly in its defense, and he clearly contributes to that uh, in in an effective way. He just doesn't necessarily contribute to that in a way that translates uh, 
into any other tangible number with the exception of plus minus. So Alex Caruso, you continue to be a fan favorite and it is completely justified. You are one of Hoopball Lakers favorite team favorite players as well as favorite player as well as a favorite amongst Laker fans everywhere. So let's take a look at the week ahead. So we mentioned how easy the Lakers schedule has been up to date. And so now, now we start to get into the, the nitty-gritty of the season. A lot of people say the season really starts after the Christmas game. And while right now I'm not going to look all the way ahead up until Christmas because we are 23 days away, uh, we're just going to take a look at this week like we usually do. So the Lakers got four games this week, three of them on the road. They're currently starting a little three-game road trip right now after this loss against Dallas. So on Tuesday, December 3rd, they will be at Denver, which will be a fun game. And then on Wednesday the 4th, they'll be at Utah. And so, yeah, while they've had an easy schedule up to date, December's going to be a little bit of a... uh, uh, December is going to be a much tougher test. And so, yeah, to start the month with the surging Luka Doncic and then a back-to-back in Denver and Utah, uh, where Denver currently sits second and Utah currently sits sixth. Yeah, it's hard to say... It's hard to say what to expect out out of a situation like that. Tuesday coming off of a loss... You know the Lakers don't. You know the Lakers want to avoid a losing streak if they can, and so, you know, expect all hands on deck on Tuesday. Depending on how that Tuesday game goes, depending on how Anthony Davis's shoulder feels, or perhaps maybe LeBron with the load of a back-to-back, Utah might see some players rest. If I'm guessing, every time I've guessed that so far this season, I've been wrong, and so yeah, it may not be an issue at all. It may just be. You know, the Lakers may just play everybody both games. Uh, in which case, that would be great, and that would be fun to see. But, yeah, if if I were to bet money on when somebody would rest, it would be Wednesday, uh, December 4th, second night of a back-to-back on the road. Then on Friday, December 6th, uh, the Lakers are in Portland playing the Trailblazers, who started off the season uh, really slowly and... With the addition of Carmelo Anthony, are playing much better. They're still a losing team. They're still out of the playoff picture, but they've been playing well as of late. And yeah, like I said, Carmelo Anthony's been playing really well, and so look for that to be a fun game. And on Sunday, December eighth, back at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but this time at a more normal six thirty p.m. Pacific start time. So. Four games this week, I think it would be, it's getting harder and harder to expect perfect weeks as the season will progress, and so if the Lakers can come away from this week, uh, three and three and one, mm-hmm. uh, two and one out of this road trip, and then clo- closing out the week with the win against Minnesota at home, that'd be really fantastic, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be a great way to end the week, I think, to play really well against two teams like Denver and Utah will quell a lot of the 
schedule talk and how easy the schedule has been. So, yeah, look for the Lakers to come out uh, firing on all cylinders on Tuesday and possibly Wednesday, despite the possibility that somebody might rest. And to close out this week, uh, let's take a look at the league-wide standings like we usually do. That's always a fun exercise. So we mentioned atop the East and the West, we've got Milwaukee and the Lakers currently sitting at the same 17-3 mark. Denver, as mentioned earlier, is number two in the West at 13-4. and four. Uh, The Clippers are surging, 15-6 uh, and six in the number three spot. Now that Anthony Davis and Paul George have played a few more games together, they, they proved to be a scary team defensively. They, they don't provide a ton of firepower offensively, but that could just be... It could just be, you know, the team, now that the team is fully formed, they're taking some time to really kind of get to, to full strength. It's hard to really evaluate. I think I think we won't know a lot about this Clippers team truly, other than they're really good right now, and that's obvious. Um, but I think we'll learn a lot more about this team uh, on Christmas when they play the Lakers. Rockets at 13-6, and six, as well as the Dallas Mavericks, tied in the fourth spot. Uh, at six, you've got Utah at twelve and eight. Minnesota is currently ten and nine, and so they started out the season really slowly, but have cl- have slowly managed to kind of creep back up. Phoenix is coming back down to earth a little bit. They're currently tied with the eighth spot at eight and ten, as is Sacramento, Oklahoma City at eight and eleven, Portland at eight and twelve. You got to imagine Portland's going to get a little bit closer to that eighth spot, but it appears as though the Trailblazers are likely not going to make the playoffs. And the San Antonio Spurs, evergreen playoff team that they are, currently 7-14. and 14. They had a seven-game losing streak, uh, you know, a couple weeks, or about a week and a half ago, and so they are in dire straits. And... Rounding out the West, you've got Memphis at six and thirteen, New Orleans at six and fourteen, and Golden State four and seventeen, sitting atop the very bottom of the West. And on the East, uh, Toronto at fifteen and four. They've been playing really well. Uh, they've been Pascal Siakam has been playing extremely well. There's Mostly joking talk that he could be up for another most improved player reward now that he's uh, basically the man on his team. Boston at fourteen and five, they had a split with the Brooklyn Nets uh, against Kyrie's first team. Kyrie didn't play in that game in either of those games, but he's he's having a little bit of a shoulder problem. But uh, yeah, the Celtics split those games. Miami's still playing really well at 14-5. and five. Uh, They're a really great defensive team. Bam Adebayo appears to be the future in this league, uh, much like a, a Luka. He's a new evolution in the type of, uh, in the way that a player at his size uh, can play. Philadelphia, I'd say, is underachieving at 14-6. and six. Uh, Joel Embiid had a game in which he scored zero points, and that game was against Toronto. And if ever there was a team that Joel Embiid should not go scoreless against, it would be Toronto. He 
you know, he's on record as, as crying after the way Toronto beat Philadelphia last year. He's got that much passion about winning. For him to go, for him to play against Toronto and have a scoreless night, it's that's a really bad look for this team. Though they'll be another good offensive team, or they'll be another good team to watch throughout the regular season. I don't foresee a ton of playoff success with this team. Uh, I still don't think the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid experience is working out, out as well as it potentially could be. Uh, Indianapolis at 12-7, and seven, they're playing really well. Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon is playing extremely well. And, yeah, at some point they're going to get Victor Oladipo back, and so it's hard to know whether or not this is a scary team. Uh, but right now they, they, they appear to be. Brooklyn at 7th at 10-10. and 10. And, yeah, that's a massive underachievement from this team, even though I know Kevin Durant is not going to play this season. Um, yeah, Kyrie's, Kyrie's proving that he isn't necessarily the best person to kind of be the man on his own team. He's, I think we can all, we all know that he was at his best playing alongside LeBron, and it's unfortunate that he didn't want to play with him anymore. And, yeah, I think it's only been proven more and more as uh, as the seasons go on. Orlando looking at that final A spot uh, with eight wins as well as uh, Charlotte has eight wins, which is unusual. Uh, Detroit underperforming at 7-13. Washington overperforming a little bit with six wins. Chicago is probably about where we're at, where we expected them to be at with six wins. Cleveland with five and then the Knicks and Atlanta uh, rounding at the bottom of the East with four wins apiece. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, I think, continues to under underachieve a little bit. Trey Young has been playing really well, but yeah, I think I think you expect a little bit more out of this team with the emergence of Trey Young and their good young core. But perhaps it's still time to uh, to learn, and it's not time for the Hawks to fly yet. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Monday Look Back, Look Ahead episode of the Hoopball Lakers podcast. You can find me on Twitter at jcdeleon1 as well as our podcast at Hoopball Lakers. You can follow Ethan Noroff at Ethan underscore Noroff on Twitter. Uh, and as always, yeah, follow... Any of the Hoopball accounts, there's Hoopball Clippers, Hoopball Nets, Hoopball Kings, Hoopball Wolves, Hoopball Blazers, a number of Hoopball teams, uh, as well as the general at Hoopball Tweets and at Hoopball Fantasy. Uh, Dan Bespris, who tweets out uh, Tweetstorm every night with fantasy updates, you'll want to follow him at Dan, at Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And, yeah, that'll pretty much do it for this week. Happy holidays and enjoy the games.
This has been a hoop ball presentation. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.